The Bible says this, and it's an interesting statement. The Bible says this, without a vision, people perish. Well, what does that mean, that word perish? It's not a word that we use on a regular basis. It means that without a vision, people will get discouraged. You need a vision for every area of your life or discouragement's going to pop in. Today, I want to spend a few minutes sharing with you the antidote to the greatest enemy of vision. What's the greatest enemy of vision? Division. Division will always destroy your vision. I think it's timely. We've all been going through all kinds of things these past few years. And in that, conflict is at an all-time high. People's anger is at the highest level ever. Well, this week, I, I learned a, a little bit about explosions. Now, I'm worried that people will be looking at my computer going, what is Matt researching explosions for? But with explosions, I learned three things. You need fuel, you need containment, and you need a spark. Okay, I knew the, the fuel part, and I knew the spark part. What I didn't realize was the containment part. It's that second element that I didn't know that's what causes an explosion. In other words, if I take a can of gasoline and I pour it all over the pavement and I throw a match on it, it's going to create a fire. But it won't explode. It has to be contained in a can or a tank for it to explode. So when I heard that, I immediately saw the parallels to all the conflicts and relationships that people are having today and why there's so many explosions of anger. For the past year, due to COVID, we've been in a period of strict containment. We've been trying to prevent the spread of the virus. We've had quarantines, we've had stay-at-home orders, we've had social distancing, we've been wearing masks, and there's all kinds of other limitations on our normal freedom that we're not used to. Think for a second, if you've had more conflict, more explosions, it's because of the containment principle. We're all frustrated. When it's all contained and it's bottled up, the smallest spark can set us off and create a huge explosion of anger or misunderstanding or hurt feelings or disappointment and conflict. Nehemiah chapter 2 says this, when Symbalat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, Why are the, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, as burned as they are? Now, the antidote to division and conflict is harmony. Ephesians chapter 4, if you have your Bibles, flip there for a second. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, Paul's declaring to the church in Ephesus, as a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you, I bestow upon you, I challenge you to live a life worthy of the calling you received. Verse 2, be completely humble. 
Be completely gentle. Be patient. Bear with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Oof. Do you and I strive earnestly to guard, to keep the harmony of the Spirit in our homes? Are you working at harmony in your home and in your relationships all the time? 1 Corinthians, Paul continues that theme and he says this in verse 33, For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. God wants harmony in our life. The principles that produce harmony in the church are the same ones that work in every relationship outside the church. There's a phrase this week that God kept calling me back to, and it was this simple phrase of, do not let. There are actually 40 different commands that are attached to the do not let. I'm amazed at how relevant those do not let commands are to all the tension and all the conflict we're seeing in our world today. So today I'm going to talk about four principles on how we maintain harmony and we prevent explosions. Here's the very first one. I reserve judgment until I know all the facts and the whole story. I don't know about you, but are you quick to make assumptions? Are you swift to think the worst about people? In today's society, there's absolutely two qualities that you and I need to work on as a Christ follower. There's two values that we need to have, and that's sound judgment and discernment. Let me be honest, there's way too many gullible Christians out there willing to believe anything that we hear or anything that we read on the internet. Here's the first principle. Proverbs 3.21 says this, My son, do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. Preserve sound judgment and discretion. What don't I let out of my sight? Sound judgment and discernment. What does he say in there? He's saying, don't throw out our common sense. Don't be gullible. Don't, be, don't believe everything you hear. That's always going to cause conflict. I love those, that little phrase, preserve sound judgment. Preserve, it means we actually hold on to something. It means we don't quickly throw it out. You don't get rid of it. You, don't, you hold on to sound judgment and you hold on to discern, discernment. God says this, you're going to have conflict when you make snap judgments. How many times have you and I assumed something with our spouse or a friend or someone else and we got into trouble over it? We don't be quick to condemn or criticize. We don't assume that we know people's motivation because we don't. When you assume that you've heard the whole story, and you know all the facts and you jump to conclusions, it's going to create conflict. I love this out of the Living Bible, Proverbs 18, 13. It says this, what a shame. How stupid to decide before knowing the facts. We had to say it out of the Living Bible. It's not that strong in the New International Version. 
1 Corinthians 4 verse 5 says this, Therefore judge nothing. Listen to Paul's words. Judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in the darkness. He will expose the motives of the heart. It's pretty clear. Don't rush, don't rush to judgment before you heard the whole story. We all need to realize that everybody, I have a filter, you have a filter. Everything we have, everything has a filter for everything we hear. It's partly why years ago I made the choice to write everything I'm going to say in my sermon. Because as somebody greets me at the door and says, you said this, and I'm like, I'm not sure I said that. When you say something to your spouse, when you say something to a friend, when you say something to me, you're going to mean it one way. I'm going to hear it, or they're going to hear it in a very different way. If you don't understand that, you're going to have a lot of conflict. When you assume that they understand what you meant by what you said instead of what they think you meant, you're going to have conflict. You say stuff all the time that people hear in different ways. You might even find yourself saying, I didn't mean it that way. Ephesians 5 verse 6 says this, Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Well, there's another do not let. Don't let anyone fool you. Now, the reason I put that command in is this, because I've discovered it's the most repeated do not let command in the Bible. In fact, six times in the New Testament, God says this, don't let anyone fool you. Is that a warning that you and I need to hear today? Six times God says, don't let anyone fool you with lies. We're gullible. Christ followers have been deceived by conspiracy theories, duped by social media, misled by hoaxes, tricked by false reports. I used to wonder why the Bible had so many warnings about being careful about false prophets and false teachers. But to be honest, the last few years, before the last few years, I didn't see many false teachers around. I knew there was cults and they were crazy. But in today's culture, we now have lots of well-meaning, sincere Christ followers who are spouting off things that are simply false. The question that you and I just need to ask when we hear something is, what does God say about that? Always reserve judgment and ask yourself, what does God say? Here's the second thing to avoid conflict. Be sensitive and empathetic to what uh, offends others. The Bible's got a ton to say about this in relationships. 1 Corinthians 10, 32 says, don't cause anyone to stumble, whether they're Jews, Greeks, or the church. In today's culture, I will be the first to admit it, it seems like I've got a chip on my shoulder. It seems like it's really easy to offend everyone. We get offended easily, we offend others easily. 
God tells us this, that if we're truly Christ followers, if we're truly trying to be like Christ, we're called to two things. Don't take offense from others. Don't let yourself be offended by anything. And then the second thing is don't cause others to be offended. Those are the marks of a Christ follower. I had to ask myself this question, Matt, can you admit that you are often insensitive to the impact of your words and actions? Let me keep going with that. Can you quickly think of five things that you do that offend your spouse or your friend? If you can't think of those five things that offend your spouse, just ask them. They'll be glad to tell you. You know what? It's far easier for us to think of five things that other people do that offend us. We can do that nice and quick. That's human nature. I can think of things that offend me, but I have a hard time thinking of things that I do to offend others. 1 Peter 3, verse 8, it says this, Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Those things go together. Harmony and sympathy and empathy go together. Paul said this in Romans 14, verse 16, Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. Don't let what you know is good get a bad name. You and I defend the reputation of the church by how we do it. We do it by being Christ-like, by responding in a humble and non-defensive manner. Jesus said this to his disciples in Matthew 5 early on, settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. This is a principle we need in our marriage and in every part of our life. If you have conflict or you're fighting with anyone, your spouse or anyone else, don't delay. Don't let it fester. Deal with it quickly. You know that from experience. When you've had a fight with someone and you didn't resolve it and didn't resolve it, it doesn't get any better. It gets way worse. If you remain silent, it just allows things to grow out of control. This is another lesson that all of us have had to learn the hard way. Let me pause right here because the internet is causing all kinds of conflict today. There are three big dangers that you need to keep in mind if you use social media. If you want to minimize conflict and you're using social media, remember these three things. No matter what you say, it's always going to be misunderstood and misinterpreted by somebody. You can count on it. If you put something out there that thousands might see, don't be, don't be surprised that they misunderstand it. They're likely to make a negative comment about it. It's going to travel way faster than anything positive you can say. The second thing is, everything you post on the internet becomes permanent, even if it's a lie. Before you post something, you need to say, do I want this to be permanent, searchable, global, and repeatable? And the third danger, if you use social media, is if you don't apologize for something that people are offended by, or you correct it, or you challenge it immediately, you lose the battle in about an hour. 
If you don't move quickly to correct something on the internet, people are going to think it actually represents you. When you hurt somebody's feelings or offended somebody, the best and quickest way to resolve it is to ask for forgiveness. Proverbs 28 verse 13 says this, whoever conceals their sins will not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking what I thought this week. Matt, they just shouldn't be so insensitive. Or they shouldn't be so sensitive. You know what? Both of those aren't Christ-like responses. We need to remember a couple things. Intent is never an excuse for impact. Saying, I didn't mean it that way, is no excuse. If you hurt somebody, it doesn't matter what your intent was, you still hurt them. Other people don't get to decide what is hurtful to you. You don't get to decide what is hurtful and painful and offensive to them. Just because you think it's offensive or hurtful to anyone doesn't mean they get to decide the level of hurt. The other principle, and that's even tougher, you need to remember that God expects us to put the consideration and the feelings of others ahead of our own. Romans 15 verse 1 says this, We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. Friends, do you want to be like Christ? Develop the attitude when my brothers and sisters get insulted, it hurts me. When you're insulted, I'm insulted because we're the body of Christ. We take offense for the offenses of others. We share their offenses. We don't get offended, but we are sensitive and we're empathetic when people are offended. The first area we talked about was reserve judgment until I know all the facts. The second one is be sympathetic and empathetic. I don't get defensive. I don't get to say you're being too sensitive. I don't delay apologies. We're halfway there. Here's the third one. I limit my freedom out of love. This today, this morning has been tough. This gets tougher. Galatians 5:13 says this, you my brothers and sisters were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is kept in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's what we use freedom for, friends. Freedom to love and serve each other. You're not going to be pleasing yourself. You're, not, uh, you're going to be pleasing those around you. You're going to be taken care of to not hurt others. Paul continued this theme in Romans 14 where he said, let us therefore make every effort 
to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. Do you remember last week I mentioned that the church in Rome was having a conflict? They were fighting over what should you eat? Should you eat meat or should you be a vegetarian? Paul had to even talk about it both in Rome, to the church in Rome and to the church in Corinth. Yeah, do I have the right to do those things? Yep. But friends, I limit my freedom out of love. This principle of limiting my freedom out of love is one that God expects you to both practice with Christians and non-Christians. Let me show you how God wants us to practice it with Christians. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 21, 24 says this, No one should seek their own good but the good of others. About eight verses later, nine verses later, in 1 Corinthians 10, 33, it says the same thing with non-believers. Paul says, even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many so that they may be saved. Friends, you don't want someone to go to hell because you offended them as a Christian. Let's review. If I want harmony in all my relationships, in my church, in my home, wherever, I first don't make snap judgments. I don't jump to conclusions. When I hear something, I don't assume the worst. I reserve judgment until I know all the facts and the whole story. The second, I'm sensitive and empathetic to what offends others. I never say, you shouldn't be offended. No, I'm sensitive. I get to choose what offends me and tell you. I don't put it down. I don't demean it. I don't dismiss it. And the third, I limit my freedom out of love. Here's the last one. I always need to be humble and kind. Always, 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 always be humble and kind. Philippians 2 verse 3 says, don't do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above, your, above yourselves. What I've discovered this week in this containment thing is that pressure, when you and I are contained, when we can't do everything that we want to do, pressure is an interesting thing. People respond differently to the stress and difficulty, differently to the pressure. It's like taking a, a tube of toothpaste. If I put pressure on that tube of toothpaste, what's going to come out? Toothpaste. You're great students. Not necessarily. It may say toothpaste on the label, but whatever is inside is what's going to come out. If someone secretly filled that toothpaste tube with jello or olive oil or baby food, when the pressure is on that toothpaste tube, whatever is inside is going to come out. That's true of you and me. When the pressure is on, what's going to come out is what's really in our heart. It's going to spill out when we're under stress. Under stress, nice people become nicer. 
And patient people become more patient. Under stress, mean people become more mean. Bullies become bigger bullies. Angry people become more angry. Opinionated people become more opinionated. Whatever is inside of you, what's going to come out is what comes out under pressure. James 2 verse 1 says this, My brothers and sisters, friends, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, we must not show favoritism. Well, Matt, that's a curveball. What does that mean? God's talking about the sin of prejudice. Prejudice is wrong. Prejudice is not a permanent idea. It's typically a a moment where we sin. Prejudice is something we easily confess. You say, I was wrong. That was sinful. You told a joke about some culture. You just admit it. Romans 12, verse 16 says, live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. Friends, do you do that? Friends, do you give equal respect to everyone alike? Are you humble? You see, that's what humility is all about. Be humble and meet people on their own terms. Don't think you know it all. Proverbs 3, verse 3 says, Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them, tie them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Matt, do you mean I have to be kind all the time? Yep. If you call yourself a Christ follower, you have to be kind all the time. Of course, the number one thing that humility will change in your life, when you and I are humble and we're kind, and you really want more harmony in all your relationships, do you know what's going to change first? The way we talk. The words we use, the way that we say it. That's what causes the most conflict and arguments is the way that we say it and what we say and how we say it. James 3 reminds us of this principle in verse 6. The tongue is a fire, a world of evil among all the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire. Ephesians 4, Paul continued it. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. In other words, I'm not supposed to talk about the stuff that I want to talk about. I'm supposed to talk about the stuff that builds you up, meets your needs, and only those things that build up, never anything that tears down. Do you think if we all practiced that verse, we'd actually have a lot more harmony and a lot fewer explosions? Friends, these are the do not let verses. I reserve judgment until I know all the facts and the whole story. Can we commit to doing that? I'm going to start doing that. I'm going to not be snapped when I hear something about me or I hear something about your husband or your wife or I hear something about somebody. I'm going to reserve judgment until I know all the facts and the whole story. I need to be sensitive and empathetic to what offends others. I don't get to choose what hurts you. 
I don't get to demean it and say, well, you shouldn't have. The only proper response is to be humble and kind and confess. Friends, I'm going to limit my freedom out of love. I'm free to do all kinds of things. Why do I wear a mask? I limit my freedom out of love. Right now, wearing a mask, they tell me, helps protect other people. So I limit my freedom out of love. And finally, I'm always going to be humble and kind. Now, when I say those four things, these are the do not let commands. But you know what they really are? They're just like being like Christ. Christ treated people the way God treats you. If you do that, you'll have fewer explosions, you'll have more harmony in your marriage, your work, in our church, in your friendships, and in your neighborhood. And at the end, you'll actually be a person of great vision. Let's pray. God, if I said anything that wasn't of you, take it from my friends' minds. If you used me in a small way to encourage my friends, make it about the Holy Spirit that prompts, guides, and leads. We love you, we adore you, we worship you. Bring us back next week ready to tell stories of how you've worked in our lives, the way we've seen you move, the things that you've called us to, and the way that we've learned to love your, your body better. We ask all this in your name. Amen.